Have you ever done a DIY project? And I don't mean a project like this little wooden thing behind me. I mean something bigger than that, like a full kitchen remodel, a full bathroom remodel, or putting up an extra wall in your house. And maybe some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I built my own house with my bare hands. Good for you. I can't do that. And if you're like me, you know that a full kitchen remodel, a full bathroom remodel, or putting up a wall in your house is going to take more than just a YouTube video or anything like that. Because here's the deal. I've got into those projects before and realized, my goodness, I don't have the right tools. My brain doesn't work like this, and I need help. And what, what honestly, if we're being honest, how do most DIY projects end? With us saying, hey, uh, I know exactly what I want to do. I just don't know exactly how to do it. And we call up the professional, and they come in, and they fix it. Then we're all happy, right? But that phrase, we know exactly what to do. We just don't know exactly how to do it. I think that's prevalent in some things that we, we do in our life. And, and maybe if you're having trouble understanding that, let me, let me give you another little story here. There was a young doctor um, at the University of Texas and she had completed their medical training. And uh, she was in the operating room uh, with an experienced surgeon who was operating on someone's heart. And this is like, you know, I guess you could call it a, a final assessment, a final exam for her to go on, go on to be a heart surgeon herself. And she gets into the operating room and she's watching this experienced surgeon opening up someone's chest, opening up their heart. And all of a sudden there's some commotion and there's doctors running in and they look at the experienced surgeons and said, hey, we need you. We, ha- we have to do an emergency heart surgery right now. Or this person is going to die. So there's a choice that this experienced surgeon has to make, right? It's, it's either, man, I, I continue this or I leave this person, but there's another option, right? She turns to this young, somewhat inexperienced doctor, hands her the scalpel and says, I know you know what to do, finish this. And if you read on in this interview with this young doctor, that's exactly what she said. She says, in this moment, I knew exactly what to do. I just didn't know exactly how I was gonna do it, right? And maybe if, if you're sitting here right now, maybe you relate to that in the instance because we, what we've been talking about the last few weeks, it's tough. And maybe you're sitting there like, man, I, I know what to do. I just don't know exactly how to do it. And there's three things we've talked about the last three weeks, embracing our calling, being radically for others and sacrificing for the sake of the mission. Maybe that's where you're at. And I know if you're like me, sometimes we know exactly what to do. We just don't know exactly how to do it. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, Paul is going to um, give us some encouragement, but also some challenging in this. And hopefully, through looking at this, the next time we're, we're given um, you know, an, an opportunity to do those three things, an opportunity to embrace our calling and to cultivate that calling, an opportunity to be for others, and an opportunity to sacrifice for the sake of the mission we'll be first in line saying, hey, here I am. Send me just as Isaiah did. And here's something that's cool. Um, and, and honestly, I want this to be kind of personal for us because over the last three weeks, I, it's kind of wrecked me to be honest with you. Because, and, and I know you're probably like, well, well you're, you're a pastor, but yes. But there are 100% specific callings that the Lord is laying on my, my heart that I know What I need to do, I just don't know exactly how to do them. And I need this right here, maybe just as you do. So hopefully you'll tune in as as the Apostle Paul 
um, gives us some encouragement and gives us some challenge right here. Like I said, we'll be in Ephesians chapter one. And here's, here's what he says in verse 15 through 17. He says, this is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and all your love for the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the glorious father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. There's a few things in here um, that, that, that we need to unpack. But first, um, we need to know who, who, who is Paul writing to here? And why does it kind of sound like, yes, he's writing, but he's also praying? It's because it's he is praying. Um, he, he's, he's praying for this group, this church body in Ephesus, that they would go and do some of these things that we're going to talk about in a moment. But here's where I want to camp out for a minute. Paul says, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Man, I think about those people in Ephesus reading this and the, and, and, and the encouragement they must be feeling there, right? That man, there's someone actually praying this for me. And they're believers, right? But where I really got convicted here, where I really wanna camp out for a minute is how often as believers, right, do we only pray for the believer sitting next to us? How many, how, how many times do we only pray when we're sitting in church seats? And how many times is Sunday or Wednesday the only time we get on our knees? And maybe it's not even on the behalf of our lost friends. It's not even on the behalf of lost people in our community and that are all around us. And I believe what Paul's trying to get out of this is as believers, yes, we ought to be on, a, on our knees on behalf of one another, but even more so for those who are lost and without Jesus. And here's a question. And this is a question personally I've had to deal with the last few weeks is when's the last time that you and I genuinely hit the deck, right? And cried out to God on our knees on behalf of our lost friends, our lost family members and the lost people in our community. When's the last time that happened? Because I believe that the, the encouragement, but also challenge that Paul is giving also us this morning is that we ought to be people of prayer and we ought to be people who, yes, who are changed by the gospel, but also know that our God has power to change other people's life. And he works and he can work through prayer. My goodness. When's the last time we hit the deck? When's the last time we were on our knees on behalf of our lost friends? As we continue here, here, here's what Paul prays the next thing. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty work of his strength. And as we continue, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over, the church, over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. I want to unpack four things that Paul says here. Four um, essential truths if we're going to be people who embrace and cultivate our calling that are for others and that sacrifice for the mission. And, and, and number one is this. He, he talks about hope, doesn't he? Right here in verse number 18. And here's what he says. I, he, he prays that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so that you, be no, you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
Week one, we learned about calling, right? And what really that is. And here he says, there is a hope in this calling. What, what, what is this calling he's talking about? This is the hope that's found in the gospel, guys. This is, the, this is the hope that's not based on material things. This is hope that's grounded in the truth of the gospel and grounded in who Jesus is. And he says he prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we always know when we're in our calling, when we're being for others, and when we're sacrificing for the sake of that mission, that we would, would call to remembrance the hope that we have in the gospel. And that be the driving force of everything else that we do. And he's, what he says next is, and I think this is cool for you and I, but also it, it, it ought to convict us and challenge us to be for others as well. This right here. He says, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? You know what that does for me? You know what it did for me this week as I was preparing for this? That showed me that, man, what an what a awesome thing that we're valuable to our God. Do you, do you see this? What is the wealth of his glorious, glorious inheritance in the saints? Man, what did God do for us? God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. God sent Jesus to die for us, to give us new life. And that right there is what he's talking about. This glorious, this glorious inheritance, guys, is you and me. But also, also what this, what this challenges me about. And, and honestly, what sometimes brings tears to my eyes is that just as I am valuable, just as you are valuable, the person who doesn't even know they're valuable is still valuable. The person who doesn't even know their worth is still worth Jesus going to the cross for. And I ask you, man, is, is that person worth your time? Is that person worth you embracing your calling, going and being for them and sacrificing your wants, needs, and desires so that they might know that they are valuable and they are worth it to Jesus? It's convicting, isn't it? I think also what he says in the next part, he says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? I love that because yes, we've talked about hope. We've talked about, um, you know, value, but what about also God's power behind all of this? And that is something that is so awesome to me. And, 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 and I highlighted this because it's so good. Immeasurable greatness of his power towards us to believe according to what? To our good works, according to our power? No, according to the mighty working of his strength. Do you know what that tells me? Us embracing our calling, being for others, and sacrificing for the sake of the mission does not come from us. It comes from the incredible power and incredible strength of our God. And that also gives me hope because a lot of days, if I, if I can be really, really honest with you, I don't, I don't really feel like going and being for others. I know that sounds really bad, but if we take our church masks off for a minute, I mean, if, if things aren't going well in my life, if, if things are getting my attention off where it should be, that's how it feels. But thank God that it's not my power, it's not my strength working to do this. It only comes, yes, from a saving relationship with Jesus, but also from the power that comes with that as well. And here's something I also know. And I've seen this in my own life and I've seen this in others' lives. That we as believers, right? We, we come to church and, and we get really, really excited. Like when Chip gives us this vision and, and Chip leads us to this, 
and God's working in it and it's really, really cool. But you know what happens? When we leave on Sunday morning, we have a really bad tendency to take none of what we heard and none of what we learned to heart. And that's gotta stop. If we really are gonna move the needle on lostness in our community, we have to get personal with this. We have to take personal responsibility for what this means for you and I. It's awesome that Chip would get up and, 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 and give this and we know he's passionate about it. And we obviously, we know Jesus is passionate about it but until we grab hold of that and really take that to heart. That there are 500,000 lost people in our communities that need Jesus. Don't need our opinions. They need Jesus and we need to take that to heart. Why? Here's what he says in verse 20 to 23. Remember, we just talked about this power. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him in his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but the one to come. Listen to this. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as the head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. I think this has been a common theme throughout this, this series, but something personally that's hit me hard. And I know we talked about our big idea, but here's the bigger idea this morning. It's just Jesus. It's his power. It's the hope that he brings and it's his calling. But also right here, God exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. I don't think Paul just throws that in there for no reason. That, guys, is our hope. That is what brings us worth. That is the most powerful display ever that he would raise Jesus from the grave and not just raise him from the grave, this powerful resurrection that brings forth our resurrection and here's where he's placed him far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but the one to come. He's appointed him head over everything for the church. What does that show us? The fourth and final thing. I think Paul wants us to see the finality of Christ's victory. The power that was displayed on the cross that brought victory over sin, hell, death, and the grave, once again showing that this does not come from anything we do, but only from what Christ has done and the power that he gives us. So church, what's your view about Jesus? What's your view about that power? What's your view about your own worth? And what's your view about hope? Because getting those things right is what leads us to embrace our calling radically be for others and sacrifice our life for the sake of the mission of God. But we got to get personal with it, right? Not just what, what does that mean for our church, but what does that really mean for me? Where am I, where, where am I, how am I living? Where do I stand in my relationship with Jesus right now? And honestly, where do I stand when it comes to the lostness in my community? How much does that actually burden me? You know, we, I told you the story of that young doctor and how um, she was handed the scalpel in the midst of this open heart surgery and she knows all the intricacies of the heart and, um, you know, she, she says she walks up to this person laying on the operating table. Doesn't know this person from Adam, but knows their heart, right? Knows what, how it works and all this and she says she gets up there 
And what did she say? She said, I knew exactly what to do. I just didn't know exactly how to do it. She said she had a, she had a choice, right? She's been through the medical training. She's done all this, but she, there was either a choice to lay that scalpel down, take her gloves off and walk out, or to continue what this doctor already started. And at the end of all this, here's what she said. She said that this person laying on this operating table is too valuable not for me to try. This person is too valuable for me not to try. Wow. I think we can learn something from that, right? Because I think right now, God, right, is, is, is handing us an opportunity to embrace our calling, be for others, and sacrifice for the sake of the mission. And here's, what, here's the conclusion we also must come to, is that people are too valuable, and our God is too strong, too powerful to not try. Now, I think that's the, that, that, that's the point of all this, right? Is that we know God is powerful, and we know that these people's souls are way, way too valuable not to try. And it's not just because we see them as valuable, because God saw them as valuable. He sent Jesus on their behalf, on all of our behalf, to die so that we may live. There is hope, there is value, there is worth, power in all of that. So I ask you, church, how valuable are people to you? How strong is your God to you? Because if we can get those two things right, knowing that our God is stronger than anything and knowing that people are so valuable to him. I hope that pushes us to do exactly what we've been talking about. And I know for me, I've spent hours on my knees because this, this has been hitting me so hard. And can I be honest? I know you may be sitting there and it looks, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Start with knowing that your God is strong and start with asking him to give you a burden for people, a burden to show you that people are valuable, that people are worth it, and there is hope in the calling that he gives. So I'm gonna ask you again, what, what do you need to do to embrace your calling? What do you need to do for be for others? And what do you need to do to sacrifice for the sake of the mission? I think all these things are so closely tied together. People are too valuable and God is too strong not to try. Can I pray for you? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you honor and glory for everything that you do. Lord, be with us as we walk through this. Lord, I, I, I know it's hard um, being convicted, being challenged um, to, to embrace our calling, um, to, to, to dive right into that. Uh, to be for others when, when honestly, by default, we're kind of just for ourselves. But thank God that there is a mission. Thank God that that mission is hope-filled and that the gospel is filled with, that it is life-changing, Lord. So God, please help us be people who are for others. Please help us be people um, who sacrifice our own wants, needs, and desires for for the wants, needs, and desires for others. And God, help us to live sacrificial lives for the gospel and sacrificial lives for Jesus. God, we thank you for your love, your great grace, and your mercy. It's all in your name we pray.
Amen.